Let me tell you a secret, Kelly. Yeah. Stuff ain't where it's at. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of somebody who has a basement full of stuff, a house full of stuff, uh, a storage unit full of stuff. um, (laughs) Stuff drags you down. (laughs) Welcome to episode 42 of The Recovery Show. We are continuing to record our episodes live. If you're online now, you will hear the raw and unedited form of this episode and will be able to interact with us live in the chat room. Check the website for the time of the next recording and join us. This episode is brought to you by Jordan, Ruth, Linda, and Carol. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you very much, Jordan, Ruth, Linda, and Carol for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of Alcoholics and Addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today we're going to talk about living rich, full lives in the program. Does a life in recovery sound limiting? Are you unsure what activities, events, etc. from your previous life will fit into your new life of recovery? Does living a rich, full life sound selfish when your loved ones are still suffering from addiction? What tools have you learned that allow you to fully live your own life today? Before we begin, we would like to state that we may, though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of living rich, full lives. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Kelly, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Spencer. How are you, Spencer? I am doing very well and much better than last week. Thank you. Good, good. Glad you're feeling better. And uh, next to Spencer is co-host Swetha. Swetha, how's it going? Really, really good, especially now that we're not meeting as early as we did last week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Living Rich, Full Lives. Following a musical break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. And we'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. So I wanted to preface this episode by saying that uh, the three of us really struggled to come up with a reading for this episode. <laughs> we scanned quite a few different texts from the Al-Anon program, and uh, none of them have listed uh, very much in the back on living rich, full lives. So we kind of had to improvise. Well, I guess that we we found some, but none that we really loved, yeah. that really, really spoke to what we wanted to accomplish on this episode. So... So Spencer found a website called livinglifefully.com and we took this excerpt from a piece called Living Life Fully by Tom Walsh and we're going to start off with that today. It says, it's truly amazing to me to consider the paradox of living life fully, just how simple it can be, yet just how complex it is at the same time. There are so many aspects of ourselves that must be in sync with each other if we're to feel that we're able to get the most out of life. Yet the basic concepts of acceptance and not trying to control every aspect of our lives and keeping things simple and trusting our own hearts can lead us to a very full life indeed. I suppose the problem lies in the ways that we tend to undermine our own efforts at keeping peace with ourselves. 
So many of our thoughts and actions run counter to what we know to be necessary if we want to be satisfied with life. That it's sometimes impossible to keep our minds on a happy track, on things that will allow us to feel good about who we are and where we fit into this world of ours. As I said, my name is Kelly, and jumping right in, maybe we could start off with just an initial definition to you guys, just kind of briefly, what living rich, full lives means to you. And I guess the more important question there is, your definition today, does that differ from maybe how you felt in the past? Spencer? Oh, you're gonna call come call on me. Okay. You you I was waiting. You I seemed waiting. prepared. I seemed prepared. You think? I seemed confused. <laughs> all right then. Um yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that sort of all week. What does it mean? And I've been thinking about it as I was looking for music. Uh I was thinking about it as I was looking for readings. And you know, things sort of came up uh like uh, just this morning uh at church. At the beginning of the meditation, a minister sort of, you know, giving us our, our starting point for, for thinking and in the meditation. And he said, what does it mean to live life wholly? That's W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. <laughs> and he, he said a number of things, but three things that he said sort of struck me in relationship, in particular in relationship to some of the other reading I'd been doing this week. He said, opening our minds opening our hearts, and daring to see what is true, what is real. And I think that resonates really nicely with this reading where he talks about um, acceptance, um, about thoughts and actions running counter to what we know to be necessary, and not and, and trying not to control, keeping things simple, trusting our hearts. And, you know... When I think about, when I first heard living rich, full life, it's like, yeah, my life is all full of all kinds of things and activities and people, and and it's very rich and it's very full. And as I really started thinking about it, I realized that for me, the richness and the fullness not, comes not from the things, not from the activities, not from the people. Um, it comes from some kind of deep core that has nothing to do with any of those things. And it has to do with um, a lot about acceptance and about knowing who I am and knowing what I want from life, that my life will be rich and full. If I put into it the things that are meaningful to me and I put into it the things that feed me and I leave out all the other stuff. So I'll come back to that if we, when we talk about what was it like before. Okay. <clears throat> so I had kind of a similar process to you, I think, Spencer. When when we first decided on this topic, I thought, okay, living rich, full lives, like, I get it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I got this. Mm -hmm. And then I spent a few minutes this morning kind of looking for some songs and just a little bit of inspiration, trying to, trying to get ready. And as I was Googling it, I noticed that I was getting two kind of very different ideas under that topic when I was searching for songs. And one was this whole group of songs of like, I'm going to party till I drop and I'm going to buy all this stuff. <laughs> and sort of what you were explaining, Spencer, yeah. that like, 
you know, to some people, living rich, full lives means having a lot of stuff and and things to do and, you know, filling your day and packing every moment. And, and then there was this other sort of group that was more, I don't know, kind of, kind of along the lines of, um, the word that came to me was balance. You know, this idea of, of, you know, filling my life with things that I enjoy, but also taking quiet moments to reflect. Um, you know, being present in activities and things with, with friends and other people that I enjoy being around and also taking time for myself to be quiet and be still. And so for me, you know, I think it's about that balance and balance is tricky for me. You know, we talk a lot about black and white thinking. And that really was my mindset before I came to the program was like, I, I was either in go mode or stop mode. And I was either doing or sleeping, you know, there was no in between, there was no balance. And um, so, so to me, living ritual life is, is coming to that place where I find that balance. You know, when you were talking about songs, one of the songs that I put on the potential playlist was Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper, <laughs> which is very much that, that first meaning, let's right. just pack as much stuff into life as we can. Um, I mean, I wish there was like a fourth person with us today so one other person could go and I could have like another chance. <laughs> well, I got a little more. Do I you want to come back? We want. can come back uh, to you. Sort of. If you want, I can. Uh, or I could uh, stop co-signing your bullshit and make you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your choices, Spencer. Spencer anything Actually, in the there, chat room? <laughs> there is a fourth person here. We have Ruth. Oh, um, my gosh. Who, with, who says, uh, I could say what it is not. Mm, okay. It is not waiting for something to happen before life can start. Oh, oh, that's good. Thanks, Ruth. Yeah, I like that. She says it is a difficult topic. It is. Thank you for that also, Ruth. See, someone will co-sign it if you don't, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I was I was kind of looking up living ritual lives. Actually, when we looked at this topic and we were looking for a reading, I remember in the big book there's um, there's a chapter called a family afterwards, and I was like, surely, surely there's something in here that there'll that'll be like spot on, and it was totally different than what I <laughs> remembered it being the first time I read that. But um, anyway, for me, I guess living a ritual life. Um, is is more about uh being calm and not being so i mean despite when i call my sponsor program friends and like i'm bouncing off the walls with nervous energy um it's about being being in a place where i'm really in touch with myself and uh and like emotionally spiritually physically even sometimes when i I mean, I'm an introvert, so sometimes when I'm out with people, just randomly I'll feel a little bit overwhelmed with there's just so much going on. And uh, I do this exercise that really helps me out where when I breathe in, I curl my toes, and when I breathe out, I extend my toes. And it just reminds me that I'm, I'm right here. Okay. I'm totally fine. This is who I am. And it just brings me back to me, and I don't have to like suddenly feel like I'm dissipating into nothingness because I'm trying to codependently please everybody. Um so yeah, I and I I think the that's that living in that way is uh living a full life for me is living that calmness. But the rich part I think comes from also surrounding myself with people that encourage that and being in an environment where even if I am even if my mind is going a hundred miles an hour, um 
I don't have anyone actually co-signing my bullshit. I know we joked about that just now, but like actually someone, when I call people, the people I'm calling aren't the people that are going to be like, oh my God, Swetha, poor you, your life is so hard. How could that ever happen? You know, no, most of the time they're like, that's fascinating. And what was your partner again? Just let's, (laughs) let's go over that first. And, uh, and I, I think I thought I would be really resentful when I was, when I first came in and people were talking to me about that. I was like, oh my God, if anyone ever asked me what my part in something was, I I just want to strangle them. <laughs> That'd be terrible. But now I'm like... You may still want to today. <laughs> <laughs> I may still want to, but there's a bigger part of me, thankfully, um, that wants to stay out of jail and also, more importantly, um, feels good. Like when it when they, when they someone says, what is your part in it? it? It feels really good to stop. And it's like, it's like the toe thing. Like it... When I extend and curl my toes, it brings me back to myself. When someone says, what's your part in it? It just pulls me back into myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, um, a lot of times when I was, before I came into the program, I felt like I didn't really exist. I felt more like I was sort of the space between people and I was just trying to, um, make everyone happy. But the pro, with the program, like just as a vis- visualization thing, I felt like I stopped being just air floating around between people and I materialized into my own person. And sometimes I go back to that place of just not really existing, just being air between people. And then when I do exercises, like I mentioned before, uh, or breathing exercises, meditation or a sanity call, <laughs> an Alan on sanity call, and someone just says, well, what's your part in it? Or, um, what do you think your choices are? Something that brings me back into myself. I feel like I snap back into being a person from being just space between people. So I think the full part for me is being a full person. And the rich part is surrounding myself with people and environments that encourage that. Yeah. You know, that actually leads very nicely into, uh, uh something else I wanted to say here. Uh, a couple of Earlier this week, I, I wrote a meditation on this quote. We are not to retreat from life, pinning our hopes on elsewhere, but to know that we will come to that final destination best by living fully here and now, be it through joy, pain, or a mix of both. And my reflection on that started out by uh, thinking about how I was where I needed validation from from the people around me. I, you know, that if you weren't happy, I wasn't happy, et cetera, mm-hmm. that whole codependency thing. And uh, I said, you were the elsewhere on which I pinned my hopes. And then continuing, I said, through the steps, I'm finding my way to a life that is supported from within me with the aid of my higher power. And, you know, I spend more time living fully in the here and now, more time as myself. I find myself less in need of you to define who I am. Again, that comes right back to this this idea that by centering myself by being supporting my life from inside rather than from outside um then then it i'm able to to fill it with the right things mm-hmm. um so i was thinking about and and as you were talking and talking about being air between between the people and you know before i came into Alanon, my life was freaking full okay <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it rich. <laughs> uh, it was full of all these things I had to do to keep everybody around me doing the right stuff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there were the people around me that I couldn't make them do the right stuff. And so that even filled my life up more with these, this frantic. Frantic is the word I was looking for there. It was very frantic. Uh, jumping from place to place and, and trying to keep all the 
balls in the air or all the plates spinning or whatever analogy, you know, going back to the juggling episode, um, out of balance, very busy, not full and rich. Yeah. I liked what you said, Spencer. Um, I, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about the balance idea and, and what, what my idea of a rich full life was in the past. And, you know, I think before I came to the program, most of my life centered around either what was going to happen, what I needed to do, where I needed to get to, um, and, and just being so far in the future, you know, I'm, I'm in my second year of college and I'm thinking about how I'm going to get a job when I'm out of college, you know, and, and I'm not, even, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not currently in college, but at that time, that's <laughs> yes, where I was yes, at. Right. You know what I mean? Um, or ruminating over all of the mistakes that I had made in the past and how was I going to fix it? You know, how was I going to repair that damage? And so I, I sort of agree with you. I mean, I don't, I think the, the, the full piece was there. There was the, the wheels were always spinning. There was always something juggling up in the air. Yeah. It was like the hamster cage or squirrel cage or the hamster on the wheel, but it wasn't rich. You know, it wasn't, um, meaningful, meaningful. tasks. There we go. Yeah. It was just things to tick off the list and, stuff you know that made me feel like i was accomplishing something <clears throat> um so yes it had a very different meaning in the past than it does than it does currently uh, yeah i was just going to mention also that i think when in the past for me i uh before the program i was also my whole life in order what i thought living a full rich life meant was spending my whole life gearing up to the point where one day I would have the full rich life that I wanted. Like I had pinning to, your hopes on elsewhere. Yeah. Pinning my hopes on the future. Um, then, I mean, like I'd have to have, I have to have the best grade. So I have to do this. I have to have all these extracurricular activities so I can get into the best schools, so mm -hmm. that I can do whatever it is I want so that one day I'll be really rich and then I won't have to worry about money. And then when I'm not worried about money, I can do all this other stuff that I really wanted to do today. But I can't do that right now because I have to essentially I felt like a, a squirrel storing away all this stuff for the winter. Um, and uh, but it never really came. I mean, I think, you know, if I had gone down that path, um, like a lot of the people I know, I would have just spent the rest of my life being like, well, not yet. I'm not there yet. One day I'll be rich right. enough. One day I'll have enough friends. One day, someday, um, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I it's never, never enough. It's never enough. Exactly. And um, so. Living a full rich life for me used to mean doing everything I can to ensure that I would have a fuller, richer life in the future that met my um, idea of the perfect life, which, you know, I don't, uh, I can't even really remember what exactly that, I mean, I'm pretty sure it involved like a gourmet chef husband and like a Nobel Prize and maybe a few hundreds millions of dollars, but <laughs> this is just generally speaking. <laughs> Um, yeah, just unrealistic stuff. It could never be enough, ever. Sounds vaguely alcoholic. Yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> for me, I think my codependency is very similar to, uh, the, I mean, the behavior manifests very similar to the alcoholics in my life. I was just joking with one of my friends the other day that I think, um, I think I may be, I think for me, codependency is more like, uh, 
I think all the alcoholics in my life are just codependents that found a drinking solution, and I just haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) 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 I'm just a step behind. (laughs) I don't like alcohol, so I'm kind of screwed there. (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm very – I don't think my behaviors are that much different than – than the alcoholics in my life at all. Any any unhealthy behaviors in my life, I absorbed them because I was the air between people, remember? Right. That's true. Yes, you absorb stuff from other people that way. Mm-hmm. Spencer, any other comments in the chat room? Um, so, Ruth, I think this was when we were talking, you were talking about, um, you know, in the past, and she says, um, it's important how um, you look at your life yourself. If you pity yourself and more in the past, uh, you can't change the past, but you can look differently on it and start to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's reminded of a story, a uh, hamster called Frederick. Mm-hmm. was sitting there looking in the sky, daydreaming, while other, all the other hamsters were busy during the summer collecting and storing food. Um, and Mark says it's hard to be alcoholic if you don't like alcohol, so that's funny. <laughs> I haven't found the solution yet, Mark. <laughs> Although, Mark, you know, I've, I've, I've heard open talks uh, where... I remember one I listened to recently where the uh, the person said, yeah, so I had this drink and it tasted awful, but I wanted another one. <laughs> um, that's not me. The more alcohol I drink, the less good it tastes for me, actually. So it doesn't work very well. Yeah, that was my thought on Mark's comment, too. I hear a lot of alcoholics say that they, I mean, at some point they hit that point where it doesn't. But this really? was like her first drink they, ever. Oh, wow. She hated it, but she wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a thing though really but i mean people will just keep drinking even though it doesn't taste good okay this is why i'm not an alcoholic yeah. i guess all right how you know when you're not an alcoholic <laughs> yeah, stop when you don't like it at least with alcohol <laughs> yeah people are a whole I, different I keep, story yeah i keep staying in relationships where i hate the guy <laughs> like just sore like horrible hate this person like it'll be okay uh, at some point this relationship's gonna be awesome it'll i'm gonna feel turn like it, it around first <laughs> i remember the first time i met this person and it sucks now <laughs> it was great then it was great then <laughs> very much sounds like an addiction process yeah. uh, it is it is you keep trying for that initial high over and over yep yeah hmm. okay codependency for the win guys. so back to our topic <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I wanted to come back to the spiritual aspect, Spencer, because yeah. you you brought up the higher power piece, which uh, I believe you were the first of us to touch on that. And good for me. Um, yay, Spencer. <laughs> so I'm watching too much Buffy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what are what what are the spiritual aspects of of living a rich full life? Do you do you feel like that's an important component? Do you feel like it's necessary? For you, I really do. Um, I really do, and and um, I picked up a book that I heard about um, because the author of the book was being interviewed in in the On Being podcast. Um, this is a guy who's a physicist, but also um, very spiritually connected, and he wrote a book called "Meditation is Com- Contemplative Inquiry," where he brings together the Western and the Eastern traditions of meditation. And the Western tradition of meditation is much more like what the big book is actually asking us to do, which is where um, you focus on uh, a concept, a phrase, a reading, a poem, um, and, and really sort of focus on that and, and, and go into it and, and, you know, bring it into your consciousness or whatever. I'm still reading the book. So, um, 
And uh, <clears throat> it really, it really resonated with me. And you know, I wanted to get this book and read it. And and so much of what he's saying is is talking about. And and unfortunately, the book's out in the car, so I can't just pull out and like read. I was, it's one of the few books that I've been highlighting like mad in. Mm. I I I don't do that very often. Uh, and and I had to go actually yesterday. I had it with me and. I was, uh, I went to the gym and then I was going to stop off afterwards and do some reading and I didn't have a highlighter and I had to stop at the store and get a highlighter so I could continue <laughs> reading the book, you know, uh, because I had read part of a chapter without the highlighter and I'm like, no, I can't do this. I want to highlight here and here. And I was like dog earring pages and stuff, you know, like, um, but really, um, talking about the, um, and it's hard for me to put it into words, unfortunately, <clears throat> but this, getting sort of getting my head into this place of calm, this place of openness, um, awake. I mean, that's the word. And in, in sort of the Buddhist sense, awake, that the Buddha was awake. Um, you know, there's a story of the Buddha's walking down a road after his enlightenment and, and comes upon a man and the man says, what are you? Are you a, a, a God? And he says, no. He says, are you a human? And he says, no. He says, well, what are you? He says, I'm awake. Awake to all the potentiality of the universe. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, and I need to go back and, and ask her because our, our minister, um, pulled up, um, something from, I think the Hebrew Bible that one of the prophets where that same awake concept appears in, in his writing. And, um, and I think that's really what I'm thinking about is, is being awake, being aware, being, as, as, as Mark said this morning, being open in mind and heart and being, um, daring to see what is real and true, uh, gives me a place from which I can fill my life with, with the right stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> <laughs> it was helpful to me, Spencer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, to me, the spiritual aspect is is crucial. Um, a big part of me and my ability to live what I feel is a complete life is that there are a lot of things that I have to let go of. There are a lot of things that I have to set aside and not take action on. And I can't do that without a higher power, without the help of prayer and meditation and some of those tools along the spiritual lines that I've learned in the program, because I just didn't, I didn't have that capacity before I came to the program. I mean, there was, you know, as, as you were saying, Swetha, there was no letting go. If you committed to something, you saw it out and you finished it and checked it off your to-do list. Yeah. You check it off the list. <laughs> Which I still do, but, you know, in a spiritual way. It's a spiritual list. And you checked off other people's stuff too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, recognizing that that's not a healthy place for me and that's not a way for me to be effective to others. Um, you know, the only way that I can really let go of some of those things is, you know, like you said, I make a program call, in which case I, I almost feel like I'm hearing my higher power through whoever I'm talking to and, um, and, and sort of the same thing through, um, the, the prayer and meditation pieces as well. Um, and there is just something, there's something really freeing about, um, finding that place of stillness, 
um, I, I know some of us have been going to this meditation that a friend of ours discovered. Um, it's a once a week and it's an hour long. And the first time, uh, the first time they had proposed it to me, I was like, Oh man, an, an hour? Like I can barely do seven minutes at home by myself. And, and, I, and I'm supposed to sit here for an hour and meditate. But, you know, it's really, um, it's not what I hear from this person is that it's not about completely clearing your mind and thinking of nothing and having it just be this open space of nothingness, emptiness, <laughs> <laughs> because that's, it is possible for me to do, but I don't feel like it's beneficial. You know, a lot of what the, the, this person who leads this meditation talks about is, you know, allowing these thoughts to sort of float into your mind, addressing it when you see it, and then sort of guiding it on its way, yeah. you know? And so, so you're able to just listen. And, you know, we, a lot of times we talk about the idea of prayer and meditation in the program being prayer is talking to God or your higher power and meditation is listening. And so I, you know, to me, those random thoughts that pop through my head are coming to me from my higher power as well, you know, and it's, for me, it's important to honor those thoughts, even if they're crazy, nutty, weird things popping into my head to still hear it and honor it and then sort of let it pass. And um, that is, was not a skill that I had prior to coming to this program. I had zero spirituality back then. So (laughs) is, is spirituality important to you, Swetha, in terms of, yeah, definitely. Um, like you, it was not a big part of my life before the program. I remember the person that introduced me to the program um, avoided talking, avoided using the G word around me. Like he was so scared if he said God, I would just shut down, and not talk to him. <laughs> like, okay, let's talk about the weather now. It's way less threatening. Um, and uh, and then his sponsor told him that was really codependent, so he stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And then eventually I talked, I got a sponsor and talked to my sponsor about it. And I think I, that was, well, check out our episode on step three for more details, but it was, it was a gradual process to get into, um, a place of being comfortable with a spiritual life. And for me, I think spirituality, I mean, it's definitely about getting in touch with a higher power and, through the contact with my higher power, I'm able to get more, a clearer idea of who I am. Like I, I imagined like, um, I imagined before the program that I, I was just standing there like, um, and and on my shoulders, I just keep piling stuff on top of it, on top of it, on top of that. Like, um, there's just me. And then on top of that, I have this pressure of, I need to make a lot of money. I need to do this really well. I need to be well recognized for my work. I need to be a top level scientist, like just keep piling it on. And that's just professionally. <laughs> and then personally, right. do- like all these other relationships, everything, just keep piling it on. And then, and that was what my life was before the program. And I think spirituality um, took those things off one after another, because I stopped thinking that those were things that I put on my shoulder and that just became a part of me. And I became this like, leaning tower of Swetha where I was just like constantly <laughs> trying to keep all of these things on my shoulder. And uh, I was, it was exhausting. I was running around like trying to balance all this stuff. It's and a great analogy. Thank you. <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> and, uh, and for me, like having a higher power, doing the prayer and meditation thing, it just, it took those things off one after another until I remembered who I was. Um, 
under all of that because I think the reason I was running around like trying to keep all that balanced is because it wasn't balanced. It can't, it can't be balanced. Um, <clears throat> as we learned from Italy and from my own issues, things that high may or may not be a good, <laughs> good choice that are piled on that high. And, um, and with spirituality, with, uh, doing a fourth step, with doing the 12 step program, I was able to take those things off one by one. Like, is this something that's really me or is this something that I, I think I really want? Mm -hmm. And when it came down to it, I didn't want a lot of those things, which is why it was so hard for me to do. Right. It would be like um, someone being like, Swetha, you should go paint something very similar to the Sistine Chapel. And I'd be sitting there going, this stick figure is terrible. <laughs> why, am I, why am I doing this? I feel unhappy. Like, this is happening. Why can't you just give me a computer so I can code? Because that's what I really like doing. <laughs> And it was the same with this. Like, all these ex expectations, they didn't really speak to me. I just thought they were supposed to. Right. And um, once I was able – because I was seeking out external validation from other people. And once I was able to have a relationship with a higher power, I the relationship I have with my higher power is one that, you know, whatever it is I am, my higher power loves me. And I am loved and I will be cared for. And that's definitely not the relationships I had with other people. Um, because they're human and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, no matter how much I tried to make them into more. And so once I was able to have this connection with a being that just could love me for me, I was able to then have, uh, give myself the opportunity to figure out who me was. And once I was able to figure that out and feel safe in doing so, mm. um, I was able to feel more at peace and lead the life that I want to live, not the one that I thought I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. You know, something you just said uh, made me think about the path that I thought I was supposed to take at work. Mm -hmm. The sort of traditional progression from mm, peon to, to group leader to manager to executive or whatever that just sort of that's the way it's supposed to be right that's uh that's how you get promoted that's how you get a raise is you you take on more responsibility over people doing things and you take on less responsibility for actually doing the things and so i kept trying to do that and it kept not working for me i am my skill set is not in managing other people my skill set is is not in in coordinating lots of other people doing things and my skill set is in is in the doing and finally and and i think this probably was after i came in i'm sure this was after i came into recovery although i had made aborted attempts before to say i don't want to do this <laughs> i want to keep on being a developer a, a engineer whatever label you want to put on it and but i finally there came a time when there was an opening in my organization for a software development manager and I did not apply for it because I did not want to do that job. And this guy who was like 20 years younger than me became my boss. <laughs> and that was okay because he was a lot better at that job mm -hmm. than I was. Mm -hmm. But it, it took recognizing, it took knowing myself enough to recognize what I was good at, what I wasn't good at. And, and then being able to say, and I'm okay with not following the expectations that have been laid out for me on the path I should take so that I can keep on doing 
what I'm good at and avoid doing the things that I'm not so good at. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I was a lot happier mm-hmm. than when I was trying to, you know, manage a b- bunch of people, uh, which, like I said, I'm not good at. <laughs> and and Mark's got a some comments here in the uh, in the in the chat room. He says, "How does a busy life differ from a full life?" Mm-hmm. He said, living a full life is a life lived in service. Recovery showed me how to do this life of service. You know, as you both were talking, I sort of was thinking about the past couple of years and, you know, how um, how there is sort of a general societal definition of what a rich, full life looks like. And there is a fairly specific timeline for that vision, too. You know, you you go to school, and then you move on to college, mm-hmm. and then you find a mate, and you get married, and then you have a kid. 2.5, actually. Oh, two, right, and a dog, and, a dog. and you buy a house. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, it was my experience watching people who are close to me, not in the program, follow that path. And, you know, to me, <laughs> I don't mean this as negatively as it sounds, but it's going to come out that way. When when you're living a life in recovery, you're dealing with people who are just n- we're not on that track, you know. A lot of a lot of addicts and alcoholics sort of have this time deficiency of the time that they were using, and so they pick up and start over at that point. And so it's you know it's not it's they can't just jump into like okay I'm sober now I'm gonna go buy a house yeah. you know like. <laughs> There's sort of a natural progression of of getting sober and gaining your life back that, you know, you can't really just like jump. I mean, I guess you can, but it's not maybe recommended no. or it's not as easy to jump right back into those things. And so um, I had a lot of frustration early on because I was watching my my close friends who are all going down this societal path of finding a mate and getting married and having kids and... You know, I was, I was b- nagging my partner to propose to me. Oh. I really had to like beg and ask and remind. And it really bothered me that I was like so far behind this timeline. Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, what I eventually learned through recovery was, you know, n- not only the higher power piece of I'm on the path that I'm supposed to be on and things are happening in the order in which they're supposed to happen. And on that timeline, but also that by not rushing into those decisions, I feel like I've been able to make better choices. You know, there are a lot of my close friends who, even though they follow that path, are now divorced or bankrupt or extremely unhappy, even though they have all of those things. And I feel like I can, you know, kind of coming full circle to the the stuff, having stuff piece, mm-hmm. that having not followed that path, I don't have a lot of stuff, but I feel really good about my life and where it's at and the direction that it's taken. Let me tell you a secret, Kelly. Yeah. Stuff ain't where it's at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of somebody who has a basement full of stuff, um, a house full of stuff, uh, a storage unit full of stuff. Um, (laughs) stuff drags you down (laughs) honestly there is there are boxes in my basement that moved here from utah 25 years ago and have not been unpacked Uh, do i need that stuff 
Can I get rid of that stuff? Have I been able to let go of that stuff yet? <sighs> I'm I'm only laughing because I'm a minimalist and my favorite part of moving is getting to that point about an hour and a half into moving where I'm like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm throwing the rest of this away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to look at it. It's just care. going in the dumpster. Like, well. if, I, <laughs> if there's not a major piece of furniture <laughs> that I could, if I could substitute something else for that major piece of furniture, it can go in the trash. Otherwise... I'm done. And then I moved in with someone who really likes stuff. And I was just like, oh, my God, there's so many things. I can't see all the white space on the wall anymore. <laughs> who knows what's going on under there? I don't know. I used to have just I used to have four pieces of furniture and uh, nothing on the walls. And if, like a pot, a pan and a sauce, some saucepan and four plates, four cups and four knives and spoons and forks. And I was good. Oh, I had a dog bed. Also, well, the, I had dog a dog. Yeah. the dog needs something. The dog had more things than I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I liked that. It was, I had so much shit going on. I couldn't waste time cleaning my apartment a lot. I had to go and clean other people's apartments and I wouldn't, I just wouldn't have time to. I actually did that a few times, by the way. Pre program. <laughs> Pre program. That yeah, happened. We managed to grow one child of each, each sort. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you grew one child. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, my I son, when he came home from four years of college, everything he had, aside from a box of books that we shipped, hmm. fit in a duffel, a suitcase, and a backpack. My people. Wow. Yeah. From four years. And nice. when he went off to college, everything, literally everything he had fit in his backpack and the pangers on his bike. Wow. I feel like he and I would get along real well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a little too minimal for me. (laughs) Seems to be working for him. Uh, Balance. My my daughter, on the other hand, um, so I drove, when I drove her back to college, we filled up the back of the minivan. There was still like a couple, like a foot or so at the top I could see out the back window this time. (laughs) Um, This time, this time. (laughs) uh, Well, the bike was in there, so that, you know, needed some space. Mm. And, uh, but, then after we unloaded the car, we drove over to a friend's house where she, she she had left all the stuff that she didn't need to bring back to Ann Arbor for the summer and filled up the back of the minivan again. Oh man. So, you know, so that's her. And she and and she 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 looks around and she says, I have so much stuff. I can't <laughs> deal with it. I'm like, yeah, I felt the feeling, kid. I don't know I got any advice for you though. <laughs> Throw it all away. <laughs> and there you go. That's what the solution. That's my solution. <laughs> Throw it all away. If you don't need it today, toss it. Um, that's not a good idea, actually. From years of experience, but, it's very expensive. In the but I think run. coming back again, that you know, stuff does not fill my life. No, I and know. actually, um, Kelly, while you were talking, I was thinking about this uh, study that some scientists did. I can't remember which country did this, but um, for the Olympics. This country wanted really badly to do really well in the Olympics. So what they did was they tested their athletes, like who has the lowest blood pressure, who has the slowest heart rate, all of this stuff, and decided the athletes would compete in the um, uh, the sports that they're genetically and physiologically geared towards as opposed to the sport that they love doing um, oh. because they thought that they would perform better. And because I'm talking about it on this podcast, you can probably guess that they sucked. <laughs> so they sucked at the sports that were selected for them. And they excelled at the sports that they loved doing, uh, even though they weren't necessarily genetically geared towards that. Right. Um, and that kind of reminds me of, of my life, period. Um, that when I'm doing things that I don't absolutely love doing or 
getting me to what I really love doing. Like, I mean, I don't absolutely love scrubbing the bathroom floor, but boy, do I love a clean bathroom. Right. Um, and uh, so when if not if I'm not doing something that aligns with um, with me, with my soul, with my higher power, even if it's something as simple as cleaning, I can tell and I don't do very well at it. And then I just get really frustrated. I'm like, oh my God, why is this? Well, pre-program, I'd be like, why am I doing this? Why can't I be best the best person at ever at, at doing this? And it's because I didn't really want to do it. And uh, then when I do things that I love, even if it's not the generally socially accepted thing, I'm really happy. I'm way happier. Mm -hmm. I'm as happy as I thought I would be if I did what everyone else thought I should be doing. Right. I'm just way simpler this yeah. way. Take that science. <laughs> so what about activities? Do you do the activities on your want to do list or enjoy doing? Are those different today than they were before recovery? I think the frequency is different. And yeah, the list is way different, <laughs> way different. Actually, before recovery, I remember going well, way before recovery, even I started learning the word no at some point before recovery. But um, way before recovery, I remember going clubbing with my friends once or twice, and I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. There were so many people. Oh my god! And so, the music was so loud, and it was so late. And I feel like I should be sitting on a porch somewhere, waving a cane at children. <laughs> Those young whippersnappers with their loud music. Um, I used to go to. I would do things that they enjoyed doing. Um, I'd go shopping, hate shopping, um, <laughs> things like that. And uh, I did it because I thought I was supposed to. And now I, and I did it a lot. I was, I was often out doing things that I didn't really want to be doing. And, um, and then I'd like hold myself up in my room for a while to like decompress. And now I, the activities I do are more, I do the things I like. I like being outdoors. I like going for walks. I like seeing, watching movies, things like that. And I do it also, more importantly, perhaps with people that I enjoy, mm -hmm. like actually really enjoy, not just people I think I'm supposed to like. And uh, that's a whole other can of worms. But I also say no, even if I love the activity, even if I love the person, sometimes I sometimes I don't want to go for a bike ride with anybody and I just want to sit at home and I want to read a book mm -hmm. or I want to take a nap and that's totally okay too. The frequency of my um, social ventures has decreased dramatically just because I found out I just like being at home a lot. Yeah. And so I, I do things that I love more and I do it when I'm more likely to love it. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's sort of the other way around Oh, that there were things I didn't do when I was living in my codependency because other people didn't want to do them. Um, you know, I would say, Hey, let's let's go to this concert and and we like eh, I don't really feel like it. And I'm mm. like, oh okay, <clears throat> then I won't go. Mm. Or you know, I just want to go out and wander around and take pictures of fall color. Oh man, I really wanted to go shopping or whatever, you yeah. know. So then I'd end up going shopping, I guess. So I wouldn't do. Uh, and so, <laughs> a bad example. Uh, in Al-Anon, I learned, and this was one of the things that just was like this huge shocker to me, that I could do things just because I wanted to do them. I mm -hmm. did not have to get everybody else in the world to agree to doing them before mm -hmm. I could do them. And and so now, you know, I, I do things that the other people in my life are not interested in doing, but that I am. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm, re I'm in relationship with people, so sometimes I do things they want to do that... Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily interested in because it's 
it's something for us to do together. Mm-hmm. And I want to be together. Okay. So there's still, there's still, it's still something for me. Um, and occasionally there's the, there's the things that I do because, um, I'm asked to do it by somebody who's important in my life and I'm really not wild about doing it, but it's important to keep, the, I guess it's important to keep the relationship, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it's just important to, to keep, um, peace sometimes. And maybe that's not very recovery, but I still do it. <laughs> keep coming back. I know. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I, but you were thinking. And I it. held back earlier on Swetha and didn't say it either. Uh, wait, then. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We don't need to know. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But now it's in my head. And I know after the podcast, I'm going to like harass you. So, okay. Just so we're all clear. I feel like um I feel like I had a um both of what you guys were saying. You know, um before the program I never did anything by myself or very rarely. If if I couldn't get someone to go with me or if somebody didn't want to go, then I just didn't do it. Um and you know, especially my sponsor talks about she's really good about it, but she goes to the movies by herself all the time. And I don't know why that always seemed like such a weird thing to me because you're sitting in a dark room <laughs> with total strangers and no one's, st- you don't have to interact with anyone. I mean, you're just sitting there. Hey, you're actually, you're not supposed to, right? Right. <laughs> so I don't know why it seemed weird as an activity to, to do by yourself, but, um, um, and, and there are a lot of things, um, that I, that I didn't learn growing up that I know a lot about now because I felt like sort of an extreme version of what you were just saying, Spencer. But I felt like if the relationship was going to work, we, we both had, both people had to be into all of the same things. Yeah. Yeah. Been there with that one. I know more about, I've learned more about sports in the last, you know, 15 years of dating than I ever knew in the entire 18 years growing up in my family of origin because for some reason, I always picked guys that like sports and we would watch sports because that's what they wanted to do. And I thought as a good partner, I guess I'm supposed to figure this shit out. So now I know all about sports. All right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I had a, a little bit of both of what you guys were saying. But, um, you know, for me now in, in my primary relationship, we, we do a lot of different things. You know, I, I go to meditation, which is not something he's interested in. Um, I do this podcast, which is not something that he's interested in. And he does all, he goes to all these crazy loud concert shows, things that, that I'm like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> he's 10 years older than me. I don't know what's wrong with uh, me. My but... kids are always telling me to turn music down. So I, maybe it's, maybe it's an age related thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Us old that, guys, we like it cranked. <laughs> then that, that, that way they can actually hear it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my god! Wait, wait, wait till I think of a comeback. <laughs> Look at my old brain thinks of a comeback. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! All right. Well, we have a bunch more questions on the list, yeah. but I think we're running out of time. Um, Something that I wanted to close with, there there are two program readings. One is the uh, gifts of Al-Anon, oh. and the other are the promises in AA. And to me, um, when we were looking for readings, um, until Spencer was able to find that website, 
those two those two readings were something that I thought were sort of important and were things that I resonated with early on in the program in terms of maybe not a a, a tutorial on how to live a, a rich full life, but what it feels like. So, yeah. Um, I I'm gonna read the AA promises, which say. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And to me, that just really speaks to of uh, how amazing life can be in recovery. You know, when I'm able to find that balance, when I'm able to let go of things, when I'm able to take care of myself and not take care of others. Mm-hmm. Um, Swetha, do you want to read the Al-Anon gifts? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, the Al-Anon gifts. If we willingly surrender ourselves to the spiritual discipline of the 12 steps, our lives will be transformed. We will become mature, responsible individuals with a great capacity for joy, fulfillment, and wonder. Though we may never be perfect, continued spiritual progress will reveal to us our enormous potential. We will discover that we are both worthy of love and loving. We will love others without losing ourselves, and will learn to accept love in return. Our sight, once clouded and confused, will clear and be. we will be able to perceive reality and recognize the truth. Courage and fellowship will replace fear. We will be able to risk failure to develop new and hidden talents. Our lives, no matter how battered or degraded, will yield hope to share with others. We will begin to feel and will come to know the vastness of our emotions, but we will not be slaves to them. Our secrets will no longer bind us in shame as we gain the ability to forgive our families, the world, and ourselves. Our choices will expand with dignity. We will stand for ourselves, but not for our, not against our fellows. Serenity and peace will have meaning for us as we allow our lives and the lives of those we love to flow day by day with God's ease, balance, and grace. No longer terrified, we will discover we are free to delight in life's paradox, mystery, and awe. We will laugh more, fear will be replaced by faith, and gratitude will come naturally as we realize that our higher power is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I'm sorry, I just have to say Alan on and on and on. <laughs> no, they are good. It's and and it is it does represent what life can be like when we are able to to live live it fully uh without Without filling it with busy work, without filling it with franticness. And stuff. And stuff. And stuff. Yeah, stuff. I gotta work on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, by the way, Tony and, and Helen um, joined us briefly. Uh, Tony said, just checking in on my way to go apple picking and I'm out of here now. Bye. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I think he's Thanks, already Tony. gone, but uh, 
Hey, if you listen to the recording, we say hi. Glad you're here. <laughs> and Spencer, you have a, a reading to close with? Yeah, you know, a lot of the stuff that I that I came upon when I was looking for readings spoke of joy. And I had another reading about joy that I really liked too, but this one comes from a book called The Invitation by Oriah Mountain Dreamer. And to me, this, this little story she tells here expresses the joy that can come to us when we fully live our life. And starts in the middle, basically, of a story. I am flushed. Damp tendrils of hair have escaped hairpins and curled down around my throat. My dress is wrinkled and clinging to my body where it is moist with perspiration from working in the warm kitchen. Suddenly, my partner is on his feet, grinning and moving toward me from the opposite end of the table. God, you look beautiful, he says, surprising me and grabbing me around the waist with a sure, strong arm. Look at her, boys, he calls. Doesn't your mother look beautiful? His unexpected exuberance makes me believe him. He starts singing and dancing around the table, pulling me with him as I half-heartedly protest that the food will get cold. My hair comes completely undone and falls around my shoulders, and I give up. We dance and laugh, and the boys join us, twirling around the food-laden table. Finally, we stop, exhausted and collapsed, laughing into our chairs. It doesn't matter that the food is cooled. We sit smiling and quiet for a moment, catching our breath and looking at one another's shining faces. <clears throat> After a short break, we'll be back with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. So our first song today is Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. And um, this song really struck me as sort of the struggle when I first came to the program of trying to change from my old ways into the new ways. And there, there are so many lyrics, I think, that are relevant. Um, you know, a lot of the before feelings, you're a slave to money and then you die. And the chorus... Um, says no change i can change i can change but i'm here in my mold i'm a million different people from one day to the next i can't change my mold and i feel like that was something that you know i really struggled with in life was was trying to be the person that everyone expected me to be and then coming into the program and realizing i could do something completely different but that mental struggle of toggling between okay i can change i can make this change nope no wait that's not part of my mold i can't do it so, um, enjoy. Cause it's a bit of sweet symphony that's
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery and what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. So, should we draw straws? Who wants to go first? I'll go. Sweetha. Oh, did All right. you say you wanted to go? Nope, oh, he pointed okay. at you. <laughs> what? <laughs> As I said before, living a rich, full life in recovery with my awesome friends. <laughs> um, hey, you volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, see, awesome, supportive. It's good. It's all good. Bring it back. I was just trying to support your choice. <laughs> rich, full life in recovery. All right. Um, so I went to my two regular meetings. Um, and Wednesday, the topic was keep coming back. And I liked the person's share a lot on it. The leads share on it. It was, it was really interesting. But, um, I also liked hearing why each, to me, at least what I heard was everyone telling, talking about why they keep coming back. Like, what does the program offer them? And it was really nice because we had people, um, share that have only been coming for a few months, people that have been coming for 30 years. And it was, uh, it was just a wide variety of things. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's really interesting. Like I never, I never thought about all that. I keep coming back so that, you know, there, I don't show up in the newspapers the next day is, you know, Indian girl goes nuts and <laughs> <laughs> takes down all Mass of Ann Arbor shooting. with her. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I also, I just, I just generally, I, I remember someone mentioning that, and this really spoke to me too, um, that they come back because this is where their friends and family are. Like, not necessarily mm. that you share DNA, but on, like, on a spiritual level. Yeah. And that they come here because they want, they, they miss the people, they want to know how they're doing, they like the support they're getting. And I remember first coming into the program and thinking, um, you know, if I do this program, it means that I will lose my family and I'll be alone, mm. like, because I, my, my biological family. And, uh, and I mean, I always kind of knew that people had families outside of their family. And I thought that was all a bunch of Disney BS. And, <laughs> and, and it's not, I mean, it's really not. It's, uh, I've found, I feel like I found a family in recovery and it's, um, and it's really, wonderful like i mean as much as i hate shopping and boy do i hate it um i i I went shopping recently with a friend of mine in the program and i really enjoyed it i wasn't um sitting there going oh god when are we gonna leave you know there's a barnes and noble right down the street let's go check that out well also because barnes and noble is out of business i think right no No, not yet borders borders is out of business never mind sorry bnn (laughs) um But it was, it was Spending nice. false rumors. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I have a, I feel like I have a family here. I feel like I have support here that I, I didn't know existed before I came to the program. And I, all of the reasons that people cited in that meeting were why I keep coming back. Um, Friday, we had a meeting that I was really confused at because it was a, it was a tradition nine meeting. And, um, I don't remember what tradition nine is like word for word. Uh, do you guys, either of you? <clears throat> it's the one about not being organized, and yeah, we were not very organized. Uh, yeah, I walked in <laughs> it a little. Very well. <laughs> I wasn't organized that day either, and I came in a little late. And they were doing a different reading, and I was like, "This is a tradition meeting. This is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Not following the rules. <laughs> not happening. I can't believe this is happening at my meeting full of codependent people. We're not following the rules. Has this world gone mad? Um, but it was good. It was a really amazing reading, and. Uh, 
There was a, there was something in we usually when we read from tradition nine, what we do is we read out of the past for recovery book. But today we just had the the blue book, how Al-Anon works. None of us brought the past recovery <laughs> yeah. book because the meeting was not at the usual location. Yeah, yeah and um, and it was a really it was a really nice reading. I really enjoyed the the point that I loved the most was that um, living about living a life of service and how it's beneficial to both the giver and the recipient mm. as well. It was just a very loving perspective on that yeah that was that was as much of my week as i'm interested in talking about right now (laughs) we'll hear more next week i'm sure probably (laughs) more will be revealed as they say perhaps Uh, perhaps yeah well my week started out with me being still sick um after doing the podcast on sunday i pretty much turned into a vegetable for the rest of the day and uh (laughs) <laughs> Ruth says she loves trashins, uh, but her sticky keyboard, it, it, then she curses her skippy, sticky keyboard. <laughs> traditions, yes. Traditions, um, and she hopes tradition. that we talk about traditions starting next year when we're all done with the steps, steps right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we're going to do that. And I, we, well, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm kind of not too wild about the idea of doing one, a whole episode on one tradition at a time, but that may be what we do. Who knows? And, um, Anyway, yeah, so Sunday I managed to get the podcast edited and posted and, you know, I was supposed to go to a meeting Sunday. I normally go to a meeting Sunday night. I was supposed to meet with a sponsee after the meeting Sunday night. And luckily my sponsee texted and said, you know, I can't really do it tonight because by the time it got to when I would be going to the meeting, I was not ready to do anything except lie there. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and in fact, I, I, I took Monday off work, uh, although I think I was already starting into recovery from the cold on Monday, but I had went to the doctor cause I had some kind of eye infection or something going on. And anyway, doesn't matter. Took care of myself. And, uh, the Wednesday meeting, I loved the Wednesday meeting. There were so many good shares on Wednesday. I did share, I talked about a bunch of things that that happened in my life that the program really helped me through them helped me to um they were all basically in relation to other people in my life and things that were that they were doing or that they were uh going through and and partly how the program helped me stay out of their stuff uh, how the, but also how I was able to stay connected in a situation where had I followed probably my old instincts, uh, I would have, uh, alienated the other person in a relationship or I would have not been able to stay in a relationship, uh, potentially. And so, and, and most of them had nothing to do with alcoholism, but they had to do with people that I loved over whom I had basically no control on their, their actions, on their decisions, on their behaviors. And, um, so yeah, I, I, but a lot of other people in the meeting also, as, as Swetha said, shared about, um, the different ways that they keep coming back. And, and one person, and I think this is maybe the person you were talking about, talked about coming for the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh the friday meeting um i think it was it was um yeah it was a little disorganized but i felt that it really 
the people who, at least the people who shared really connected to one or the other of, of the things we ended up talking about. <laughs> um, and, and I thought it was good. And I saw a couple people there that at least one person there that no, a couple people who were there that had never been to that meeting before mm -hmm. and managed to find it in its bizarre, uh, offsite location because <laughs> we got kicked out of the church we usually meet in that week. And, uh, trying to think about other recovery stuff in my life this week. Well, I mean, I talked about going out and searching for readings and, and, um, finding this, this really, this book that I really appreciate on, on meditation that I'm still reading and highlighting like mad. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, I don't know where that's, where I'm going to go with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to give me, um, a pathway into a meditation practice that is more sustainable for me than what I've been able to do so far since I am coming up on step 11 in my, my step work. Let's see. Yeah. Kelly, you ready? Yeah. I just wanted to, um, say, I think it's Helen in the chat room. Um, Swetha, this, this, yes. Yeah. This made me smile. She said, um, we study steps, traditions, and concepts first, second, and third week of the month. We use past recovery and the new workbook, yes. which Swetha and I are both loving. Um, it always amazes me how the traditions and concepts can be related. Mm -hmm. And then Ruth says she uses secretly the traditions at her job. <gasps> me too, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so my week, I was um, kind of getting sick of saying this, but I was out of town again. <laughs> um, and, uh, sorry, I'm having some technical difficulties here. There we go. Um, I was, uh, in Chicago, which I always have an opportunity to practice my program when I'm driving around Chicago. Um, if you've never done it, folks, uh, it's, it's kind of like Chinese water torture. <laughs> <laughs> it's fairly painful to me. Um, it's just crazy. So I, I get the opportunity to practice patience and breathing and trying to maintain my serenity. Um, and, uh, I, I did, um, I, I did not make it to any meetings. Um, I did listen to some podcasts, which is always helpful. And, um, I had an opportunity to be of service yesterday. Um, I have a sponsee who um, moved away from here recently and uh, it was going shopping for um, for an important event. <clears throat> um, and she originally asked some family members to go, and uh, they don't. Her family is not a approving. They don't. Um, I'm not finding the right words here. Uh, they, they don't approve of, of these choices that she's making. And so, um, so she asked some, some friends and myself to be there. And I had a blast. I, and I was actually really nervous going into it because I was the only person there aside from herself in recovery. And I initially thought like, oh, this is, this could be painful. Like, I'm going to feel weird and awkward and they're going to know that I'm different because, you know, I'm not, I don't know, because I'm in the program. <laughs> and, uh, 
and we had a great time. It was really, really fun. And um, it was it was really, to me, an honor to be of service in that way, that I could be there for her, you know, as her family of choice when her family of origin um, couldn't be there. So, so that was great. I had a blast. And, uh, and now I'm here. And this is awesome. So... Can I say yay, family of choice? <laughs> yeah. You're here. <clears throat> so what's happening so, next week, Kelly? Well, next week, uh, we're going to talk about the three A's, which are awareness, acceptance, and action. And we definitely welcome thoughts from you guys out there. You can join the conversation and leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about awareness, acceptance, action. Helen says, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we have some questions to kind of get you started thinking about that topic. Do you think you have to fix something as soon as you become aware of it? Do you find yourself springing into action even before you know what the problem is? Is it difficult? Swetha is nodding furiously over here. <laughs> is, it, is it difficult to know if you fully accepted something as a cue to take action? I guess this episode is for me. <laughs> Ruth says never. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, how do I get to where you're at, Ruth? <laughs> she did put a smiley on it. <laughs> Spencer, how can people send us feedback? Hey, we got a bunch of different ways to send us feedback. Uh, you can call us and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear your voice. And that's, uh, if you're in the U.S. anyway, it's area code 734-707-8795. Just pause the podcast. You can pause right now and join the conversation. Call us at 734-707-8795. Uh, you can also use a voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. It works a lot better if you're outside the U.S., I think. And if you prefer not to use your voice, but like I said, we'd love to hear your voice, you can send us email, uh, feedback at therecoveryshow.com. That's feedback at therecoveryshow.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of living rich, full lives, or next week's topic of the three A's. And again, that's awareness, acceptance, and action. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And that, that topic is in the How Ellen on Works book somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can also contribute by joining us in the chat room, too. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yes, as you've heard. Uh, so, Swetha, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? They can find out more at our website, therecoveryshow.com. It has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of open talk speakers, and also an announcements page where we have the information about when we're recording live next so that they can join us in the chat room. We also have a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites on our on our website, therecoveryshow.com. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog. You can join us in the chat room during live recordings. If we haven't suggested that yet, enough yet, <laughs> you know now that we really like you to. Uh, we're also always looking for music suggestions and have a page with just a few we've received so far. If you're inspired or ambitious, uh, please think about contributing a guest meditation or a meditation prompt which is usually a quote or a song lyric. Uh, Ruth did that this past week. If you would like the meditations emailed to you daily, click on the email button at the top right corner of the page to sign up. Before we read your emails and comments, we're going to listen to Our House by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, 
It's a song about leading a comfortable and rich life. Um, in the song, the lyrics and lyrics that uh, we have on here, it says, Such a cozy room, the windows are illuminated by the evening sunshine through them, fiery gems for you, only you. Now everything is easy because of you. And here's the song. I'll light the fire Place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Staring at the fire for hours and hours while I listen to you play your love songs. Okay, and we are back with our listener feedback segment. We're going to start off. Carolyn commented on a music suggestion. She suggested a song by Keith Urban called You Are Not Alone Tonight. And she listed some lyrics. What matters most is never, ever losing faith because it's going to be all right. You're not alone tonight. And I've not heard that song, but no, the lyrics I sound good. get a chance to listen to it yet either. But, yeah. it, um, you know, I guess that speaks to me about our higher power being there um, and that we can, we can rely on our higher power. Even when we think we're all alone, that we have to do it all by ourselves. And uh, another uh, website comment, this one from Ruth, uh, she added a vote for denial as a topic. And then later she said, Oh, I see you already did that in episode four. <laughs> and we were talking about that. And, you know, episode four was the first episode we decided, Hey, this is like, really good enough it's no longer a pilot it's it's a that's so sort of our real first episode first real episode uh so i think we will probably want to come back to that topic again yeah. um now that we have more of a rhythm and and uh, um yeah whatever anyway um so uh but anyway continuing on she she uh says I listened to an older episode of Recovered Cast when Mark and Spencer spoke briefly about the topic of denial, and she said it reminds me of my own denials, and some of them were so subtle that uh, today she can laugh about them. And then it happens again, and before I even notice, I'm down the path into the mist. And she gives us a lyrics, some lyrics from a song by Tal and Acacia, who also I had never heard, but uh, we'll put up a, a link, I think, to a YouTube of them singing it live at a, a radio station. It sounds like it's a really nice song. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful voices and very uh, spare, just a couple of guitars. Every time I try to see your face, clouds get in its way. Life is gray when I'm out and away. I want more than this. All I want truly I got is waiting is already here. All I want truly, all I got keeps me hoping, praying for you to appear. And sort of coming out of the out of the fog or something out of the mist. Mm. She says these lines are speaking to me, remembering those times, 
How does my denial impact my life and others? What's the harm? What's the payoff? What are the early warning signs? So thanks for that suggestion, Ruth. And like I say, it's a good topic. It's always a good topic. Uh, so we'll probably come back around to it from a slightly different angle than we did the, the first time. Oh, yeah. We're all in a different place. So for sure, the, the content will be different. Uh, we also got an email from Charlie who says, Dear Kelly et al., there you go. Your podcast on vulnerability is well applied to the decision you all made to risk going live versus staying with a scripted and edited format. And by that, I mean using your script as a guideline versus a hard and fast format rule. That takes courage. Mark that down on your achievements list. And then there's a smiley face. And she says, Kelly, I hear what you said about courage in this particular podcast, but I'd like to submit that the opposite of courage isn't fear, it's indifference. Indifference is a lousy motivator. Courage is knowing what scares you and doing that thing anyway. Seems to me that we do what scares us because it matters a lot, not because we're indifferent. With that said, I love the new format. My job circumstances sound similar to yours, Kelly. Odd hours and sometimes heavy travel depending on the client or job. I've missed a lot of home group and in-town meetings over the past three months, and that's been a real challenge. I'm fairly comfortable going to Al-Anon meetings wherever I happen to be when I'm on the road, but even that hasn't been possible as much as I'd like this year. Hear you on that one. <laughs> I make up for it with daily readings and regular phone calls, but nothing really compares to the experience of being in those rooms. One of the things that I love and miss most about those rooms when I can't make a meeting is the spontaneity of discourse despite the meeting's script or topic and the raw, unedited shares. Essentially, I miss the humanity. It reminds me that being human myself, not perfect, not an overachiever, isn't so bad after all, and it might actually help people feel more comfortable around me and perhaps with themselves. Spencer tells me this all the time. So when I, when I turn to your podcast, which I do every week, whether or not I'm traveling, and more often when I am, I truly, truly appreciate not only the topics, but also the unscripted conversation and human reactions, and yes, the stumbles, sometimes especially those, because those things make the podcast even more real and relatable, and more like the meetings I can't attend for whatever reason. The listener comments you've shared recently seem to second that emotion, too. So at its worst, the new format is going very well because you're achieving your topic and discussion goals, and at its best, the new format is going swimmingly. I suspect in large part because of the humanity and courage that each of you have consistently brought to the show since the format change. It's getting better all the time, too, which I fully expected. I think we did, too. <laughs> you guys are doing great. So anyway. Yeah, we hope so. I wish I had more time to rave about each of you and explain why. In the meantime, keep on keeping on, y'all. Best, Charlie. And thank you for that message, Charlie. I know we've talked about it on a few recent episodes, um, just being unsure whether we liked the live format, being unsure whether we could be okay with all of the stumbles and verbal pauses and ums and uhs, and, but I think we're getting there. Okay, and... And we also had a, an email from Cecily who um, continued the exchange we had about um, uh, domestic violence and how my anger um, actually qualified as domestic violence. And this one really touched me. She said, well, what the hell, Spencer? I felt super guilty pointing that out <laughs> as if I was being kind of killjoy or something. But you read the email, you responded and did not die or shrink away. Crazy awesome. 
I'm so grateful for the feeling of validation I received from your response. I bet that's a very good sign of recovery for everyone. Sweet, Cecily. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think I was, I was talking to Kelly about this, uh, the other day and, and saying, you know, they're definitely, when I first read that, that, um, you know, her remark about, about anger and rage being violence, I was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, sort of bad word, bad word. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew it was true. Yeah. You know, it's not that I was like, why are you telling me this? This is, this is totally false. No, I was, I was reacting because I knew it was true and I hadn't seen it. And so it was that sort of, uh, you know, hammer coming down, breaking the denial wide open thing, um, that I was reacting to. And I guess I'm grateful that I have enough program to be grateful when, when I have that kind of experience. As much as it might, and it wasn't painful, painful, but it was, it was one of those enlightenments that maybe you'd rather not have, <laughs> but that, but, but that I'm grateful that I had it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's recovery and that's great. All right. And we got two new iTunes reviews. Yay. Both five stars. Thank you very much, guys, for sending those in. The first one is titled A Godsend, five stars by Annie ZM. And it says, these podcasts are perfect for me when I cannot get to a meeting. I love that they are so articulate and have lots of recovery. The topics are interesting and well covered. I enjoy the humor and honesty, and I plan to listen to them all ASAP. Thanks so much. Hey, Thank you, Annie. Yeah, thanks, Annie. You can you can probably skip one through three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they're sort of interesting from the point of view of Wow, uh, we we were just really sort of figuring out what to do. We didn't have very good equipment yet, and I think episode one is about twenty minutes long. It was sort of just the topic discussion, but we had also hadn't figured out um, really how to um, how to deal with how we wanted to deal with keeping the other people in our lives anonymous, as we talked about them in the podcast. So you probably hear a lot more mention of specific people rather than a loved one or a family member, which mm -hmm. we we tend to do now. Uh, second review that we got, uh, titled Lifesaver, exclamation point, by No So Overwhelmed Mother. F yeah, she says, I'm a single mom of a three-year-old. I have been to one Al-Anon meeting when my daughter was first born, and I was intimidated. These shows help introduce me to the structure and heart of the program and ease me into some of the jargon. Hmm. I feel so much more ready to attend now. Finding an Al-Anon meeting that I can make and find childcare is challenging. In desperation, I turned to iTunes and found this show by accident. It has been so comforting and helpful to me. I have been in heartbreak and crisis, and this show is here to help. Thank you. And, well, thank you. I'm, we really are glad that that we can be there for you. And, you know, with I started out uh, participating in the Recovered podcast, which is our, our sister podcast, which is more AA-themed and has become more AA-themed since we started the Recovery show. Mm. Uh, or more focused on AA, I guess. And he always talks about trying to reach out to the newcomer, reach out to the, the guy who maybe knows he has a problem, but he really hasn't worked up the nerve or whatever to, to go to a meeting, maybe doesn't know what meetings are about, doesn't even know they exist, but he found the, found the podcast. And, and I always wondered whether we would be doing something 
providing a similar service and mm-hmm. and so it's good to know that 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 we are reaching um not just the not just the the people who have some strong recovery and want to make it stronger but the people who are just really looking for anything um and you know mom uh, i can call you mom i hope cuz <laughs> i don't have a name um I, there are i've been to a lot of meetings where where people bring um, their child with them, mm-hmm. uh, whether, you know, three years old, probably pretty tough. Uh, newborns, I've seen a lot of newborns. Uh, I've seen older kids who are able to amuse themselves with maybe a coloring book or a, you know, an iPod or a Game Boy or whatever the equivalent is these days. That's what mm-hmm. we always gave my kids when we wanted them to amuse themselves when they were like six through 10 or 12. <laughs> um, and the meetings that I go to are accepting of this. Uh, I don't know whether this is, um, you know, a problem where you live, but uh, you could think about that, that that is a possibility. Maybe sit near the door so that if your your kid is being disruptive, can't sit still, you can just leave. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. And everybody will understand. And we know when somebody comes in with a child in arms or a child in tow, we know that this person needs needs what we have. Um, and needs to be there because why else would you voluntarily bring your child to a meeting if you, know, if you had a choice, I guess? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Kelly, you got any thoughts there? Yeah. Well, there are some meetings, at least in our area that offer childcare where you can, you can bring a child of any age and, um, you know, it's usually at least around here, it's, it's normally on a volunteer basis. Some places have, Depending on the location, they're required to hire someone. The group is required to hire someone with childcare experience, certification, et cetera. So totally depends on, on the meeting itself, but some provide that. And, um, you know, as Spencer said, a lot of times, uh, there's a lot of people in the meeting who have been in that place. And so they, they are, not in not in a, a judging mentality because they probably had to bring their kids with them when they first started coming. And you know, you can always ask at meetings too if it's if it's something they want to take to the group conscience or if it's something that they are okay with. There may be some meetings that are not okay with it, and some that are, and that might help you sort of determine what fits into your schedule uh, by going to the ones that that are willing to facilitate that. So, but we're glad that we can be there for you in the interim. And, uh, you know, just as a note, the iTunes reviews and ratings do help to make us easier to find by those who are in need and seeking recovery, uh, as um, at least um, at least one of our, our reviewers found us by searching in iTunes. And so, um, you know, we want to stay near the top of the list, so when people look for us, they find us. Mm-hmm. If you're concerned about anonymity, you can give us a rating without writing a review, and it won't show your identity. So... Uh, talked about our sister podcast recoveredcast.com mm-hmm. uh, they've had some awesome episodes recently uh, bringing in um mark the host has has made a connection into a, the really active recovery community here in ann arbor and into the recovery community at the university of michigan and he's been um, bringing in some younger voices uh, students students and grad students from the university of michigan into some of his recent episodes and um, they've been some of them have been pretty lively. I, really, uh, <laughs> um, the, the last one uh, I listened to it just uh, yesterday talked about, it was titled old friends. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, it's about, uh, you know, how do you, how do you 
um, relate to or not relate to your old drinking buddies and your old drinking places um, when you're in recovery as an alcoholic. But I think that sometimes that also is relevant to us Al-Anons that we get we get hooked into a group of friends who are still doing those old patterns that we're no longer doing, and and it can be very uncomfortable for us. I think you commented about that, Kelly. In the yeah, it was room. in the chat room. Yeah, it was a great episode, uh, and definitely a great crew of people. It's been it's been fun to hear them because I I did not personally know the host in the past, and now I know some of the people people who are on there. So. Yeah, it's that. fun to get a different perspective on them. I really like it. And and actually, I'm hoping to meet some of those people on Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday yeah. is yeah. the screening of The Anonymous People, which is a documentary about um, sort of bringing to light the benefits of recovery um, while still maintaining anonymity. And I'm really excited to see this. The trailer looks amazing. It is this Tuesday, September 24th, and uh, it's at Rackham Auditorium on U of M's campus. That would be the University of Michigan. Yes, sorry. There are several U of so M's across the country. For those of you who, are, who, who, who listen to this before Tuesday, the, uh, the 24th of September 2013, and who happen to live close to Southeast Michigan, yes. come on by. <laughs> come on by. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, so yeah. hopefully you, you already know what's coming. 5 p.m. reception, 6 p.m. screening. Hope you can join us there. And um, I just wanted to, uh, I don't know if I actually gave you the, the website for the Recovered Podcast. It's recoveredcast.com. And there's a link on our website also. Uh, another event that's coming up this week in Southeast Michigan that is, uh, you know, related to the recovery show, Recovered Cast Family, as it were, uh, the Canton Candlelight AA meeting, which uh, Mark, who's host of Recovered Cast, actually founded that meeting five years ago, is having their fifth anniversary party on Thursday, September 26th, um, it's at the PC Alano Club in Canton, Michigan. So again, if you're in the area, drop on by. you probably hear some voices you recognize, and then you'll be able to put faces to those voices. It's supposed to be a great open talk speaker, too. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. looking forward to uh, that. I went, I went, um, I think I went two years ago. Yes, I went two years ago, and the open talk speaker was awesome that night. Um, it was this guy named Mark who does a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Nice. And uh, as the people who were in the chat room today know, uh, you can listen live as we're recording. You can interact with us while we're doing the show. You can get your name mentioned like, hey, so-and-so just said in the chat room this awesome thing, you know. Uh, so click on the Listen Live link at the top of the page and to, to, to find out a little bit more or to, to be able to listen when we're when we're on live. And while you're listening, you can interact with us in the chat room. And to get to the chat room, uh, this was, I think, not exactly obvious. I did put a little note on the Listen Live page. There's a little speech bubble at the bottom edge of the player you need to click on to get to the chat room. Uh, and we're planning to record our next episode. I think we're going to do that on Monday, uh, September 30th. Uh, in the... 6 p.m. Early, yeah. Um, we need to talk about that, actually. Um I've got something else happening that evening. I forget what it is. Okay, we'll um, get back to you on the recording time. But, um, Monday, September 30th, Check the in website. the evening, Eastern Daylight Time, we will have the time on the website, uh, which is more timely probably than whatever time you're listening to this recording. So, <laughs> uh, And, uh, you know, we're really enjoying this. Uh, you might have noticed that uh, if you've been listening for a while, I took the word experiment out of the introduction. How <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it's no longer we used to an say experiment. we're continuing our experiment. No, we're just continuing. Uh, so, because it, it, it does enhance the show. 
I know we have a lot of listeners uh, who also listen to Recovered Cast, and you can also join them in their chat room as well, and as I... Spencer and I often do. All right. <laughs> All right. And just as a reminder, it does not cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, and they run currently about $40 a month. You can help support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Jordan, Ruth, Linda, and Carol did. We had a lot of sponsors this week, which is amazing. Love you guys. We put together a list of recovery-related books on the website as well. So if you click on the books link at the top of the page, you can order one of these books from Amazon through our website. And when you do that, we will receive a small commission. In fact, you can order anything from Amazon using the search box at the bottom of the books page. Costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. And uh, Spencer is going to close us with uh, yes, our am. last song selection. Yes, I am. Our final song selection is Tapestry by Carol King. And I'm just going to read the, the lyrics of the first verse here because I think that says why I picked it. My life has been a tapestry of rich and royal hue, an everlasting vision of the ever-changing view, a wondrous woven magic in bits of blue and gold, tapestry to feel and see impossible to hold my life has been a tapestry of rich and royal hue an everlasting vision of the ever-changing view a wondrous woven magic in bits of blue and gold a tapestry to feel See impossible to hold once. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you're facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Around his leathered hide and a coat of many colors. Yellow-green on either side 